We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The hottest next tape you'll find online. Next all day. We bleed blue and orange. This is Knicks Fan TV, your one-stop shop for the ultimate New York Knicks fan experience. News, rumors, debates, post-game live streams featuring live callers. Let's go Knicks, baby! And now, your host, CP, the NY Fanatic. Knicks fans, just one question. Did you think we would be here? Did you think the Knicks would be gearing up for a first-round playoff game in midtown Manhattan? It seemed like a dream this past Christmas, but Tom Thibodeau's first-year impact, as well as a complete turnaround from Julius Randle and a strong sophomore year from R.J. Barrett, has landed the New York Knicks in the postseason for the first time since 2013. Hello and welcome to the putback with Ian Begley. Trade We are presented, as always, by 88 Sport, bet $20.00 on the Knicks or Nets and get 88 bucks in free bets using promo code SNY88. I'm Chris Williamson alongside SNY NBA insider Ian Begley, and it's tradition on these live streams to have the creator and CEO of Knicks Fan TV, our man CP. CP want to dive into every angle of this playoff series, including the perspective of the opposition. So join us in a few minutes will be Chris Kirshner, who covers the Hawks, for The Athletic down in Atlanta. We are live on SNY's Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube pages, and you can get involved in the comments section throughout this entire stream. But as always, we tip off with the baseline. And Ian, headed into the season, Vegas had the Knicks over under for wins at 22.5. That would have put them in last or next to last in the East. Now they're the four seed, home court advantage for the first round. How in the world did we get here? (laughs) The first two things that come to my mind are Tom Thibodeau, his coaching, the way he set the tone early on for this group in training camp, and the leap that Julius Randle made with his shooting, with his playmaking, and with his leadership in the offseason for this team. Because, you know, everybody knows he struggled in year one in New York. He took a lot of criticism. He didn't wilt from that criticism, though, in the offseason. He didn't go and hide. He went to work, and he worked on his shot. He worked on playmaking. He worked on his conditioning. He worked on his entire game. And now here we are months later, and he has a legit, legit argument for being on an all-NBA team. And then Tom Thibodeau, I mean, this team last year finished the season 21-45. and He gets pretty much not the same roster, a similar roster back. And he's got these guys defending like crazy, number four in defensive rating is where they finish the year. And you can't say enough about Thibodeau and his staff and the way they've molded this team. 
No, it's been truly remarkable to see this turnaround from Randall, Tibbs, you name it. And easy question, CP, from a perspective of a Knicks fan, how excited are you that not only are the Knicks in the playoffs, but game one will be at Madison Square Garden? Man, Chris, as you said, every day has been Christmas, not just for me, but for the Knicks fans globally. You know, Knicks fans on Knicks fan TV just calling in. You hear the passion. You hear the excitement in their voices. Everybody's excited. And, you know, Vegas had this team at 22 wins. I thought it was going to be 26 because I had no clue. I didn't feel like the offense was going to be there. I certainly didn't think that uh, that Julius Randle was going to take that jump, you know, from 29% from three to over 40% from three. You had the improvement of R.J. Barrett, the emergence of Emmanuel quickly, and so on. And so it's just been jubilation all year. Um, you know, we had a camera crew out there for the last three home games. We felt the excitement on the streets of uh, of New York City right outside of MSG. I, I got a mosh pit going on right after the Spurs comeback win. So it, it's been electric. But I'll also say that, you know, given the fact that we're in the midst of a pandemic, and we're starting to come out of it. You had a lot of Knicks fans that were impacted by it that had the coronavirus or may have lost family members to that. And, you know, having the Knicks win and get into the playoffs, it, it's lifting everybody's spirits up, especially in the backdrop of, of this pandemic as well. Uh, it's a great point because you have people who want to feel good about something, especially with all the death that we've dealt with with COVID. And to have the Knicks, you know, playing the well, playing as well as they have and getting to the playoffs, you know, it really does a lot. For the whole city. And in despite the Knicks being the number four, having home court advantage, odds makers have the Hawks as the favorite in the series. Are you surprised by that at all? Not really. I mean, I see it as a coin flip. I don't know exactly how the odds makers came to that decision, but this Hawk team is playing as well as any team in the Eastern Conference entering the playoffs. I mean, under Nate McMillan, I believe they finished the year 27 and 11. The Knicks obviously also finished strong 16 and four to finish the year. But this Hawk team, you know, the way it's shooting, uh, coming into the playoffs, Trey Young distributing the ball, finding shooters, and then uh, you have them just having confidence coming into the postseason. It's going to be a tough out for the Knicks, so I'm not that surprised about the odds makers going the way they did. Yeah, it's going to be a dogfight, definitely. And, CP, the Knicks have been underdogs all year, so do you think it's a good thing that they're going to be underdogs throughout the postseason? It's a great thing. Keep it that way and continue to fly under the radar and hopefully defy expectations like they've done all year. You know, having the extra home game will certainly help them. But as Ian said, this is a deep, well-balanced Hawks team. They're playing much better under Nate McMillan, 26-11, and 11, since he took over for Lloyd Pierce in March, number eight in offense. They're getting guys back healthy. Gallinari, Bogdanovich, obviously you have to worry about Trey Young and Capella in the pick and roll. And so it, this is a dangerous team. So uh, I'll take the underdog role and hopefully we pull it out. And once again, write your questions into the comment section, no matter what platform you're watching on, and we'll get to them throughout the show. At this time, we want to bring in Chris Kirshner, who does a tremendous job covering the Atlanta Hawks for the Athletic. And people, he may seem like an opposition force, but Chris, you're actually from New York, right? I'm originally from the Bronx. Uh, grew up there. Uh, most of my life has been in the South. I, I moved to Florida when I was 10 years old, but my roots are in, in New York City for sure. I love I'll to hear Travis Slank because Travis is going to feel like Chris's uh, coverage has been influenced by his New York roots. <laughs> no, no that. De definitely not. I'm I'm an unbiased uh, reporter. Uh, paycheck stays the same no matter who wins the series. So that, that's ultimately at the end of the day most important to me. Hey, 
I like where your head at is, man. And just like the Knicks, Chris, you could say the Hawks entering as the five seed is a little bit of a surprise. They fired their head coach, Lloyd Pierce, after starting the season 14 and 20. And we'll get to the new coach in a bit. But are you surprised that the Hawks are at this point? I am. I did not expect them to be the five seed in the Eastern Conference. I thought the Hawks would make the playoffs or or the play-in tournament and, you know, fight their way in and and be the seventh or eighth seed in in the East. But being the fifth seed and having the same record as the Knicks, I I did not expect that, especially with where this team started. They were 14-20 and uh, right before they fired Lloyd Pierce in the middle of the season. The team just looked dead. They were blowing games in the fourth quarter. They just looked like a mess. And McMillan has really turned this team around. Uh, the, the team has just played so well under him. Um, so with that said, it, it, it is still a surprise just because of the fact that um, you have guys like Bogdanovich who ended up shooting 44% from three. He was being used in a totally different way under Pierce. Gallinari has found his three-point shot. Pretty much everybody on the team has improved from where they were in those first 34 games to the, in, in the start of the season to where they are now. Yeah, it's like, you know, Dave McMillan has unlocked, you know, this un- – a great potential, you know, for these guys, uh, as you mentioned. And, Ian, we know Tom Thibodeau's, when we look at the coaching, his bread and butter is defense. They finished the year fourth in defensive rating. But how else has Tom impacted this team? You know, I talked to Mike Woodson over the weekend. He said something that surprised him over the course of the season was Tom Thibodeau's offense and his ability to adapt and to get his guys to buy in on that end of the floor. So, you know, you look at what the Knicks have done offensively, the numbers are not going to blow you away, but they've done enough, obviously, to win games and to end up where they ended up at record-wise. And so offense, I think, is going to be uh, the key for the Knicks this series because you know Atlanta is going to pay a lot of attention to Julius Randle. We know that. So who is going to be there around Randle? Uh, to knock down open shots, to create. And, you know, different Knicks have done it all year. But, you know, in a condensed series, it's a little bit different. And it's just going to be interesting to see who can step up there around Randall. Right. And you mentioned Randall and CP. You look at the performances of Randall and R.J. Barrett and Rose, and Thibs certainly gets partial credit for them. Are you surprised by the immediate effect he's made on the team? I mean, they've taken such a huge jump on defense. I expected a, a bit of an improvement, but that, not this big. I mean, this was the same team that, for the most part, that David Fisdale had. And this is a team that ranked 23rd or 24th in defense under Fisdale and Miller. They're now fourth. They finished fourth in the regular season. Number one in opponents' points per game. Number one in opponents' field goal percentage, as well as opponents' three-point percentage. Uh, Tibbs wanted to come into this season and emphasize the corner three. Knicks finished in the top three in attempts and makes from the corner three. Julius Randle leading the league in corner three assists. So as Ian said, what Mike Woodson alluded to is that the offense was is certainly on an uptick, especially in the second half. And that's been certainly a surprise as well. So Thibodeau definitely deserves Coach of the Year honors for what he's done with this team and doing a lot with a little, no doubt about it. Yeah, if he doesn't get that award, then I don't know what the voters are thinking about. And, Chris, as we mentioned, you know, going to the other coach in this series, Nate McGillan took over the Hawks on March 1st on an interim basis. They finished the year with a 27-11 and 11 mark. What kind of improvements have you noticed with McMillan at the helm? I think the offense has totally improved and the the defensive uh, intensity has certainly improved with the offense. They're just running more off ball sets. And that's one of the main reasons why someone like Bogdanovich has, 
just transform from where he was at the start of the season to where he is now. You know, before the before McMillan took over, uh, Lloyd Pierce was mainly using him as a spot-up shooter and not really taking advantage of Bogdanovich's off-ball movement. So I think that's been a really big improvement for the team in general because you have other shooters like Gallinari, Kevin Herter, who's going to come off the bench in the series. He's shooting like 38% from three. That's really uh, transformed this team. And then defensively, uh, under Lloyd Pierce, the Hawks were just really, really bad defensively. They were leaking points left and right. Uh, Clint Capella has turned into a defensive player of the year candidate. I don't think he's going to win. I think Rudy Gobert is going to win. But to have him in the middle of the defense, have guys like Trey Young, who was arguably the worst defender in the league last year, to you know being okay, like passable, I think that's a really big difference for this team just because of the fact that it lessens the you know amount of pressure on guys like DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, all those guys to pick up the slack. So I think those are probably the two biggest differences under McMillan. Yeah, it just seems like they're they're walking and playing with a lot more confidence mm-hmm. and swagger. I think Trey Young mentioned everybody can be themselves, you know, under McMillan. And before we move on from coaching, make sure to ch- check out SNY.TV after the show for tons of great Knicks features. One of them is a Q&A with Ian and Mike Woodson, who was an assistant coach for much of the year before going back to his alma mater, Indiana. Of course, was a head coach the last time the Knicks were in the playoffs. Definitely worth a look. Uh, let's get to Julius Randle, though, CP. When you look at the players on the floor, there's been no one more impressive this year than Julius Randle. A remarkable regular season, but legends are made in the playoffs. What are your expectations for Randle heading into his first postseason? Can he take that next step? Well, when you look at Julius's performance over the Hawks in these three games, I mean, he dominated the Hawks, averaging 37 points per game on 50% shooting from three. So it's been incredible. But in the playoffs, everything changes. And one of the big changes for the Hawks is that DeAndre Hunter did not play in many of those games, and he's been a solid one-on-one defender. It's going to be interesting to see what type of schemes that Nate McMillan chooses to throw at Randall. You can count on him being trapped double teamed them going into a zone of some sort against the Knicks as well. So with Julie, my expectation is continue to play your game, but make quick decisions when those doubles come. Trust your teammates, trust Bullock, trust RJ, make those quick passes and don't let the Hawks turn you over or force you into some bad decisions. Yeah, and Ian Randall is the first Knicks player ever to average 20 points, 10 rebounds, and five assists in a season. Can you put into context the type of surprising year he's had for New York? Well, here's here's one way to put it into context. If the Knicks drafted a power forward with their top draft pick coming into this season. So I don't even think the Knicks saw this coming from Julius Randle. And, you know, hats off to him and the work that he put in in the offseason. You mentioned those historic numbers. And if you watch this team night in and night out, it revolves around him. And it's not just the shooting. The shooting has been tremendous, but it's the playmaking because last year you didn't see that that crisp passing, the vision uh, that Julius Randle has showed this year. So just the stark difference between New York uh, Knicks, Rand, excuse me, Knicks Julius Randle year one, Knicks Julius Randle year two. It's remarkable, and I think he deserves all the accolades that he's gotten. But again, the Knicks, I don't even think they saw this coming because if they did, I don't know if they spend that draft pick on a power forward uh, in that 2020. Draft. No, no, I definitely agree. I think this was a very pleasant surprise for the Knicks. And Chris, from a Hawks perspective, I know CP, you know, brought it up about the amount of attention that Randall will get. How will the Hawks, you know, try to neutralize Randall and force other players, you know, to beat them? 
Yeah, well, C- CP mentioned him. DeAndre Hunter, he's back and healthy. He's supposed to be off his minutes restriction by this upcoming weekend for game one. I think for for the Hawks, if, if they can get him healthy um, and, and get him one-on-one with Randall and let the other Knicks players beat them, I think that's, you know, it could really swing the series in the Hawks' favor just because of the fact that when DeAndre was healthy in the beginning of the season before he partially tore his meniscus, they were using him against guys like Kyrie Irving, LeBron James, those kinds of players. That's just the kind of defensive versatility that that he has, and he just presents a lot of you know di- different looks that the Hawks can use. They can use him in the front court. They can use him against Derrick Rose if he's going off. So I think he's the one player in particular where I think he'll probably start off with Randall as his primary assignment. And if you know things go crazy, if RJ's going off or or Derrick Rose is going off, I think that's that's probably where they'll they'll start and end with when it comes to you know guarding Randall. Yeah, that Chris, should be a real. Oh, excuse me, Chris. I'm sorry. If they go with another defender on Randall, if they put Hunter elsewhere, who do you think that they they turn to to defend Randall? Would it be Capella? Would it be somebody else? Yeah, that's that's the interesting thing because, like CP also mentioned, uh, Randall destroyed the Hawks this season. There was no answer for him. Capella was in there, John Collins was in there, and they didn't have any sort of answer to to try and stop him. My guess is that they would probably go with Collins just because of the fact that Capella is best when he's in the paint. When you get him outside, when you get him outside of the restricted area, and and he's guarding outside on the perimeter, that's when the Hawks can start leaking points pretty fast. So, if if they decide to not use Hunter in that role, my guess is they would go with Collins just because he has the size to keep up with him. But I also just think that you know Randall is such a gifted offensive player that I think he- we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed have his way against Collins. So that's why I think they're probably going to use Hunter as much as they possibly can. Yeah, and that'll be a fascinating uh, battle to see Hunter and Randall go back and forth. And Randall is the most valuable player of the Knicks this season, but let's spin it forward to the playoffs. Who do you think will be the Knicks MVP of this first round? We'll give you the options of Julius Randall, R.J. Barrett, Derrick Rose, or other. Go to sny.tv slash vote now for this week's fan choice presented by 888 Sport. Bet $20 on the Knicks or Nets and get 88 bucks in free bets using promo code SNY88. And CP96 Till asks, what are your expectations for R.J. Barrett in his first ever NBA playoff series? Broadway Barrett, man. I'm, I'm excited to see R.J. in his first playoff series. And, and as he alluded to in, in his uh, post-game interview uh, yes, after yesterday's 
regular season closing, he's been looking forward to it as well. And so with RJ, I just hope that he continues to be a, a great three-point shooter as he's been this season, especially in the second half of the season, be that outlet for Julius Randle. I want to see him attack the rim a bit more. One of the things that the Knicks haven't done well this season is uh, attack the rim and finish at the rim. And so if those shots aren't falling, we've got to be able to mix it up and attack the inside. Maybe we can get draw Capella into some foul trouble and then get to the free throw line where R.J. Barrett has been at about 75% this year. He's going to draw some tough defensive assignments. He may have to draw Bogdanovich, maybe a little Tony Snell when he comes off the bench or Herder when he comes off the bench. So um, he's got to lock in defensively as well. When the Hawks, If the Hawks go into his zone, I'd like the Knicks to feature R.J. in the middle to try to break down the zone where he can, you know, pass to the big man in the dunker spot, or hopefully he'll get some more touch around, you know, the four feet area where he can knock that down close to the rim. So I'm excited to see what RJ is going to do in this series. Yeah, I think a lot of people are, especially about the growth, you know, after he's had this season. Uh, and Ian, a recurring discussion uh, has been the point guard situation. Uh, we've talked about it so much, you know, on the putback, uh, specifically Alfred Payton, uh, who has not performed well, and it's interesting why the Knicks have left him in that starting role, because Sunday he went 0 for 4 from the field. He had no points, two turnovers, and uh, Camille Khan 8 is asking, what can we expect from Alfred during the playoffs? Will he indeed be moved to the bench, or do you think uh, Tibbs is going to keep him in that starting spot? I would be surprised if Tom Thibodeau made a lineup change of that magnitude before the series. I think during the series, all bets are off if he feels that he needs to make an adjustment because of defending Trey Young or on offense. I could see him sliding Alfred Payton out of the starting lineup. I just can't see him doing it entering the series. But really, Alfred Payton, you know, his minutes have dropped big time. Look, if you look at the last 20 games of the season or so, I think he's playing around 14, 15 minutes. But then you look at the performance and, you know, the on-off numbers are ugly because the Knicks have gotten outscored by a significant amount when he's been on the court these last 20 games, and they've outscored the opponent when he's not there. So it's something that the coaching staff has to look at. The, tr the problem, though, is who do you – like, if you're not going to play Alfred Payton at all, that means probably more minutes for Derrick Rose, maybe more minutes for Alec Burks as a ball handler. I'm not sure if the coaching staff sees Frank Nelikina as a lead ball handler. So people talk about Frank – and certainly he could help defend Trey Young, but I don't know if he would be that lead guard, uh, even if he's coming off the bench. So it's just a tricky situation for the coaching staff. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays itself out over the course of the series. Yeah, Tom Thibodeau definitely has his work cut out for him when it comes to how he's going to handle the point guard position uh, for the playoffs. And CP, how would you like to see the Knicks utilize their different point guards during this series? Listen, I feel bad for Peyton because he struggled this season. Maybe it's in his head. I'm not so sure, but he struggled mightily. I got to go right to Rose. I got to start Rose, and then I'm going Burks off the bench. I need Frank to get a lot of minutes in this series. The Hawks have a lot of threats on the perimeter. When you talk about Trey Young, Bogdanovich, you have Lou Williams, Lemon Pepper Lou coming off the bench. You know, he's going to be looking to cook. You have Herder, Snell, a lot of three-point threats off, of, off in this Hawks lineup. We need Frank to get in there and disrupt some of that flow. And I think if we can get Rose in there, you follow it up with, with Burks, maybe quickly can get you some, some on ball at the lead guard and, and, you know, sprinkle in a little bit of Frank in at the wing, I think that's the way I go. I'd, I'd use Peyton as the emergency point guard because right now he's just completely out of sync both on the offensive side and defensively. 
Yeah, it just seems like he just brings down, you know, the team every time that he's out there. And you, you want him to do well, but uh, like you said, it, it must be something going on in his head or whatever. And, Chris, on the other side, Trey Young has had a great season, but even better down the stretch. He scored at least 30 points in five of his final nine games. What's the biggest part of his game, and have you noticed any real big improvements or differences since McMillan took over the team? I think the main difference that I've seen since McMillan took over is the fact that, you know, Trey's shooting less. You know, he's been known as someone who can pull up from 30, 35 feet, no matter where he is on the floor. But he, those kinds of shots have decreased this season. It could be because his three-point shooting numbers are, are um, have declined from last season. But he's been in more of a, a facilitator role, which I think is probably his best long-term outlook as far as point guards go, just because of the fact that he is undoubtedly one of the best playmakers in the league. He can make any single pass with either hand. And because the talent around him has improved – you know, Trey draws a lot of attention as is. He's consistently double teamed. But if you can pass it off to Bogdanovich, who's shooting 44%, Gallinari's 41%, Collins is near 40%, that just opens up so many open looks for the other guys. And I think Trey has realized that this year, that it's not all on him this year to, you know, carry this team like it was in his first two seasons when this team was rebuilding. He has other guys around him that he now trusts to make open shots. And I think that's really been one of the big differences for the Hawks and why they had a 21-win increase from where they were last year when they finished 20-47. and I think that's really important, the trust factor, because he trusts them, you know, to take the, take and make those shots. You know, as opposed to last year, I don't think the trust uh, was as high. And we'll have tons of coverage throughout the Knicks run in the postseason on SNY.TV, but also on SNY itself. Ian Begley and myself will be bringing the putback to Geico Sports Night during the postseason, reacting to each game and so much more. So be sure to watch Sports Night every night at 11 p.m. or after Mets postgame. And also, please make sure to send in your comments and questions on whatever platform you are. We'll make sure to try to get to them. And, and let's look past this series just a bit. Neil wants to know about an update on Mitchell Robinson. And if there's any chance he comes back. I think there's a chance because they haven't ruled him out yet. Um, certainly he's continued to progress in his rehab. The last thing that we had heard from Tom Thibodeau was that Robinson was working on the court, but he still had several hurdles to clear before he'd be able to practice fully or get full contact. So that's what you're looking for in next steps is for Mitchell Robinson to either start to scrimmage three on three, practice in full, maybe get five on five work in there. We're not there yet, but but he's getting there. He's making his way there. So you're not going to rule him out because he's making that progress. I don't know if he'd be back, you know, if this thing went seven, if he would be available then. But I would think if he continues to go the way he's going, second round, he might be there for the Knicks. They would love Knicks fans and the team would love to have him back on the court because he would add another big, you know, to that lineup to go up against, you know, uh, the Atlanta Hawks front court. And CP Mitch didn't put up the efficiency he did a year ago, averaged 65% from the field as opposed to an NBA record, 74.2%. Nonetheless, how much of a difference would Mitchell Robinson make in your mind? Is it big or, you know, kind of minor? Well, we certainly missed the block next month, no doubt about it. You know, Nerlens Noel has done a, a solid job uh, uh, in backing up Mitch, and, and he's every bit of part of why they're in the fourth seed as, as anybody else who's contributed on this team. But I think the two areas where Mitch can help is um, being able to switch out on the perimeter. 
and being somebody that can block shots on the perimeter or also intimidate some of those guards, you know, keep those guards in front of him and use his size, his wingspan to kind of, you know, alter some of those shots. He can also battle Capella down there, get some offensive rebounds, keep the ball alive and battle Capella on the defensive glass as well, which is where I think Capella is going to really, really hurt the Knicks and, and where Nerlens Noel is going to be at a disadvantage. So the Knicks are going to have to rebound by a committee there. And I also think Mitch, even though his efficiency is down, um, he still provides you a better threat as a vertical spacer, as a rim runner to get the Gotham lob in there over Noel. Noel to Nerland's wall on the Nerland wall on defensive end and offensive side. He's, he's butterfingers, man. We know that. So I hope he doesn't have any type of Charles Smith type of moments in this playoff series. But, you know, those are some of the areas that I think we'll, we'll certainly miss Mitch's presence. And you brought up, uh, you brought, that was a great, that was a great lie, uh, by the way. But you brought up, you know, rebounding and how important that is. And, and Chris, JT Gebhardt wants to know about, you know, defensive rebounding specifically. And if you think that will be a primary issue for the Knicks against, you know, the likes of John Collins and Clint Capella. Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, you know, the Hawks all season have been one of the best rebounding teams in the league. Capella finished first overall in rebounding this year. Um, and just the fact that they have Capella and Collins, that, that makes them a really uh, a fearsome duo in the front court when it comes to rebounding. I think for the Knicks, though, if they can possibly get Capella in foul trouble early on in games, I, I do think that they would have an advantage there just because of the fact that what we've seen over uh, the course of the season from the Hawks is if Capella's off the floor, this is a totally different team just because of the fact that the John Collins and, and the Danilo Gallinari front court lineup, they, I mean, they can't guard anybody really, especially Gallinari. Uh, Gallinari, um, you know, he's just not you know, quick enough to, to guard anybody in the league really. Um, so I think if they can get Capella in foul trouble early, I do think that's where, you know, the Knicks could benefit and get those rebounds and, and possibly, you know, get to the, get to the rim, get to the free throw line and, you know, have a chance to, you know, pull out some games that way. And Curtis West on Facebook uh, in asked, do you think Obi's progress will get him minutes or Tibbs won't trust him, trust playing him in the playoffs? If I was going to guess, I would guess it would be more so the latter where Tibbs may not feel comfortable playing Obi big minutes, like 10, 15 minutes a night in the postseason uh, based on what we see in the regular season. But the problem is the Knicks are going to have to find some way to get Julius Randle some rest. So, whether it's topping or whether the answer is somewhere else, you're going to need to find 10, 15 minutes a night uh, for somebody to play power forward so you can let Randall get a breather. You know, he's led the league in minutes. He's done it all year for this club. So, so maybe they think they can just continue to ride him. But I think best case scenario for them is really finding an answer there at the backup power forward, whether it's topping or somebody else. And, you know, CP, when we look at, you know, the rebounding, the Hawks are overall fifth in rebound. Knicks are ninth. Knicks are also 11th in block shots. So, in your opinion, who really needs to step up defensively? I think it's Nerlens. You know, I think it's Nerlens. And, and how is he going to respond when they put him in the pick and roll with Trey Young? You know, can he still protect the rim? You know, Young's going to be a three-point threat, but he's also filthy as, as a, a, with the floater. And so, you know, with him and, and Capella in the, in the two-man game, Noel is going to be tested. He's got to stay out of foul trouble. He also has to battle Capella on the boards. And so I think Noel is going to be the X factor in this series. And let's get away from the team perspective first to rile up the fan base. Uh, complete this sentence for me, Chris. The Hawks will win this series if 
if they slow down Julius Randle in some capacity. Um, you know, we've talked about it before, but, you know, in the three games Randle has gone off, if they can slow him down and make it anybody else on this Knicks roster beat him, whether it's Rose, whether it's Barrett, whether it's Quickly, whoever, I think they would have a really good chance at, at winning the series. And CP, uh, JD Sports Talk supporting CP and the great Ian Begley. Those are their words. Obviously, I think you all are great as well. But who is the Knicks X Factor to winning a series versus Atlanta? CP, you can go first. I got to say it's Derrick Rose, as he's been all year. You know, if Julius is going to be there, Derrick Rose has to be that Robin for us, continue to attack the basket, get the offensive ball movement going. You know, that's something that Peyton has failed to do all year. And Derrick Rose, as soon as he comes in, everything lifts up. So Derrick Rose, to me, is the X factor, attacking the rim, getting the mid-range shots going as a three-point shooter as well. And so I I think it's Derrick Rose. Yeah, Derrick Rose, go ahead, Ian. Yeah, I I would go Rose too, but I I think also – Reggie Bullock is going to be big this series because you talk about Bogdan Bogdanovich, how well he shot the ball, uh, especially recently. and He's going to be a big threat for the Hawks. I don't know if Reggie Bullock will end up defending him, but I can see that matchup happening. He's been so good defensively uh, against the opponent's top scorer, and he's been knocking down threes on the other end. So you're going to need a little bit of both from Reggie Bullock, knock down shots to help out Julius Randle, but also maybe chase around uh, a very good scorer in Bogdanovich. He's a big key for me. And, and and one thing with, with uh, Bullock, too, that's been kind of encouraging the past couple of games is that when the teams are running him off the three-point line, he's he's been knocking down some mid-ranges, which you haven't really seen last year and, and earlier this year as well. So mm-hmm. it's good to see Bullock um, increase his shooting volume overall. You know on the defensive side he's going to bring it. And so I, I agree with Ian. He's got a tough job this series as well. Yeah, for sure. And, Ian, we need you to actually take care of something. Uh, Camille Khan, uh-huh. uh, 8, wants to know about plan for the offseason – while Pond wants to know if they will sign Kawhi Leonard. Uh, should people just enjoy the ride right now? Because, I mean, we can deal with the offseason later, but what do you what do you think? Listen, I'm not going to tell anybody how to think. So I, I think – but if you, are, if you are putting your hopes and dreams into Kawhi coming here in the offseason, you may want to you know, table your expectations a little bit. I mean, obviously everybody's looking at Kawhi because of how things ended up last year with the Clippers and – if they do well this year in the postseason, you know, you would think that everything's going to be okay and they'll stick around. But if they falter again, everybody's going to be keeping an eye on Kawhi. Uh, but that being said, I think enjoy the moment, enjoy the ride. I'm always thinking about the offseason, the draft, whatever else. If you're a fan, just think about game one and, and enjoy how this team's going to match up with uh, Trey Young and his group. And speaking about this series, give us the biggest key to the series overall, Ian. You know, I think it's going to come down to secondary scoring around Julius Randle because uh, I think the Knicks are going to defend every night. They did it all year long. There's no reason to think that they won't defend this Hawks team well, well enough to win. So I think it's going to come down to who is going to give you that, you know, a, a B to Julius Randle's A. Uh, who's going to be that supplementary score? Is it Derrick Rose? Is it going to be the same player every night? Is it going to be different players? We've seen different players fill that role all year. Who's it going to be over these next four, five, six, seven games against Atlanta? That, to me, is a big key. 
Yeah, I think this series could go the distance because, you know, it's really a toss-up when it comes to, you know, who has the edge in this series. It's going to be exciting, no doubt. And that's going to do it for this edition of the Putback with Ian Begliar. Thanks to Chris Kirshner of The Athletic, kind enough to join us from Atlanta for the Hawks perspective, and CP of Knicks Fan TV. A pleasure, as always. We'll be doing live shows throughout the postseason and plenty more coverage on SNY and SNY.TV. For Ian Begley, I'm Chris Williamson. Thanks for watching the Putback. Enjoy game one, and we'll see you soon.